0: Thank you for that. Thank you for that. The uh, I'm pretty excited about uh, tonight, so I'm just gonna jump right in, and we'll have some fun. Uh, There. The um, so does anyone have uh, anyone grow up with demons in their house? Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're called cats. Did y'all have some some people? Some people had some cats that lived in their house cats are the worst. I don't like cats. Katie had a cat. It was awful. His, his Her name was Kiki. I got to watch how I talk about it because Kiki doesn't exist anymore. But, um, hey, all dogs go to heaven, not cats though. But uh, yeah. but cats are terrible. You know, like cats, I don't know. I, thankfully, I didn't grow up with a cat, but I've seen that cats, you know, they they devote themselves to one or two people in the house and, you know, if... Exactly. And they get, they're pretty jealous. You could say it's that's a safe, that's a good word for them. Jealous. You know they'll swipe at you. They'll meow or what was that sound they make? Hiss. That's it. Yeah, there we go. Hiss. But uh, yeah, cats are pretty awful. Sorry, it's true. But you know another thing that's uh, as I'm thinking about like things that are jealous, my daughter is unbelievably jealous. She is, it's, it's pretty funny. Like, if me and Katie are hugging somewhere in the house, she'll see us and then smile with this, like, like she's so excited. Then she'll run over to us wherever, she's, wherever she is, and then she'll give us a hug, and then she'll want us to pick her up, and then we pick her up, and then, you know, she'll give me a hug, but then she'll give Mommy a hug, and then she'll kind of, like, do some kind of move where all of a sudden she's directly in between both of us. And it's just her and mommy, and she's kind of giving me a stiff arm, and she's like... <laughs> like, she gets so jealous, and she's mean about it, too, especially with other kids. Uh, the f- <laughs> so Katie was watching her in a nursery one day, and in this nursery, there were only two kids. There was Zoe, and then there was another mixed kid, and his name was Hudson. Well, Hudson did something. He got sad, you know, babies, and... You know he he does something, so Katie picks him up and starts rocking him in a chair and a few seconds later she looks over at zoe and Zoe tell me why this girl's lip is just quivering, and she's like <laughs> and and eventually she just burst out crying because she was like, "Mommy's replacing me." She was so sad she's but she's mean don't 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 let her fool you it's not there's nothing cute about it she is she is genuinely mean. Like, she is Zoe's always not a a small baby. She's actually always been taller than every other baby she's met who's within three months of her age. Like, she, I don't know. I mean, maybe we need to check this girl for steroids or something. But I I don't know what it is. But she's just so much bigger than other babies. And so, like, she'll, like, walk in a room and be like, what's up? Where's my money? Y'all know what's up? Like that that really is like she is always looking over other looking down at other kids and yesterday she was in the nursery and Katie was watching her but there was a bunch of kids in there and Katie kept saying that Zoe kept pushing kids out of her lap so that she could climb in her lap because only Zoe is allowed to sit in mommy's lap. Zoe is mean. She is genuinely mean to people and she's she's jealous. She 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 just wants it to be her. And if anybody gets in the way of that, watch out. But I don't need to ask any of y'all if y'all get jealous because we all get jealous. Every one of us. I know we do. It's it's so real. Like your whole life, if you think about you and sometime when someone had something that you wish that, you know, you wanted what they had or you wish that, I don't know, like either, I don't know. You Think about like first chair and band. You know, who's a band geek? I'm sorry, who was in band? That's like the most disrespectful way. Don't ever say to Christopher, by the way, that people in band weren't athletes. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, Katie was in band. I like, I like band. I like instruments. I wasn't in band. But, you know, that person that you could never overtake for first chair, like that girl or that guy, like they just, they just were too good. Or that person who was just in class, they never study, and they just know it all. Like, maybe you have to work in class, but you see that other person, and they they just know it all. Or someone is, you know, you play a sport, someone can jump higher than you, run faster than you. Whatever it is, we get jealous about stuff. In fact, the definition for jealousy is, I got a few definitions up there. Is that pretty clear? Okay, you can see it. The only one that I want to say is the last one. You know, suspicious that we do not enjoy, suspicious that we do not enjoy the affection or respect of others, or that another is more loved and respected than ourselves. I'll go ahead and read the, the second one. Feeling or showing suspicion of someone's unfaithfulness in a relationship. Jealousy is love fighting, fighting extinction. Jealousy is like, look, something, it's, it's self-love fighting extinction. Excuse me. Something that you are trying to defend is in jeopardy, and you want to make sure that, 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 that whatever you're defending wins out. And so we get jealous about it. Jealousy is a really real thing. I don't think it's the, the Bible doesn't say it's a good thing, but it's a real thing. It's something that we all have to deal with. But tonight, I want to have a little fun with this word jealous, because every now and then it's a good idea to look at the attributes of God, aspects of his character, and then just to study that and to look at it. There's aspects like God is love or God is forgiving or God is omnipotent, you know, he's all-powerful. But there's another attribute, and this one may be the most offensive one, and it also may be my favorite one next to God is merciful and God is loving. But it's God is jealous. And so I think we're going to have some fun with it. Taylor's going to come up here and read. If any of y'all don't know Taylor, Taylor's a small group leader with us. Taylor was actually our first small group leader that we ever had at the Sky Alpha here at WVU. She is definitely one of my heroes. No longer a thief. That's an inside joke. She tried to steal a computer from the uh, (laughs) computer. Taylor borrowed a computer from the library and then tried to walk out of it without telling anyone. And so... But she she's not really a thief. It was an it was an accident. But but Taylor, Taylor really is awesome. She's probably one of the most compassionate people that I've ever met in my life. She's a friend of mine. She's a friend of Katie's. She's awesome. And she's gonna read for us. Oh, I didn't even tell you what we we're reading. Exodus twenty. It's the Ten Commandments. It's the first two commandments. We're gonna have some fun with this. Yes, yeah, so the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Mm, I am a jealous God. This is interesting. This is a title that God gives himself. Titles, we don't know much about titles because we don't live in countries that have kings and queens. Anybody from England here? Demonic. (laughs) (laughs) He does have a lot of titles. But... But we don't we don't know much about titles. You know, kings and queens they have titles. They have like the blank of blank, the blank of blank. You know what we have is really really famous people here in America. They have nicknames. You know, like Johnny Manziel. He's not famous. He's more like infamous. Rest in peace, Johnny. But Johnny Football. You know that's that that's a that's a nickname. That's a title of his. Or LeBron James. That's a that's a current person who has a lot of titles. Uh, what is it? The the King King James. The, the L Train, Braun Braun, never really got that one. The, the Chosen One, that was a nickname, that, that is a nickname of his. That's a title you could say. Harry Potter, some people are readers. Harry Potter had nicknames The Boy Who Lived or The Chosen One. I actually think Harry Potter deserved The Chosen One more than LeBron James did. Sorry, LeBron James fans, sorry, sorry, Matt. But, uh, but yeah, titles. This is a really interesting title because there are some titles that God has in the Bible that we read that other people gave to Him. But then there are some titles that He gave Himself, that He introduces us to in order to explain an aspect of who He is or to help us to understand who He is, what His heart is like. And this is one of those few ones that He gives Himself. He calls Himself a jealous God. Everywhere in the Bible where it talks about jealousy, it's not a good thing. Yet here, he calls himself a jealous God. I am a jealous God. Why does he want to associate jealousy with his very character and who he is? And why does he think that's so important that when we think about laws, especially the Ten Commandments, we think about him? This, the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, this is the first time in all the Bible where there's actually a law or like a guideline as to how to live in the entire Bible. Up until this point in time, it's just been a story of people's experiences with God and then some people who didn't have experiences with, with God, but they experienced someone who did know God. But there was no rules or guidelines as to how to live given. None. And this is the first place. Yet, as he explains the Ten Commandments to them, if he, as he gives Moses the Ten Commandments, he inserts in there, "I am a jealous God," and he doesn't. If you read the rest of him, he doesn't put any more titles in there. That's the one title that he wants. He wants us to see when we look at these laws. Is that not crazy? Isn't that kind of weird to you? It should be. It's. I mean, it's weird to me. You think about normal jealousy. It's fighting to be at the center, the center of what, whatever, you know, like it's fighting extinction. It wants to remain a big deal. And he is saying, I am jealous. And that word that he uses, jealous, it's a Hebrew word. It means it's, it's a kanam. It's only used six times in all of scripture. And it's not the same word that's used other times when the word jealous is, is here. So he uses a different word to explain something about who he is. So, what is this different jealousy that he's talking about? And uh, later on in the New, in the New Testament, Second Corinthians, chapter eleven, I think it's chapter eleven, should be chapter eleven, verses one through three, one through three, one and two. Paul says, "I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do you bear with me? Do bear with me." For I feel a divine jealousy for you. In other versions it says a godly jealousy. Since I betrothed you to one husband. To present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Paul is fighting for something. But he's not fighting for himself. Paul wants them to see something. He's angry. He's in their face a little bit if you read the whole All that's saying, all of what's being said around it. But he's not fighting for himself. He's talking, he says, for I feel a divine jealousy since I betrothed you to one husband. And he's talking about Christ. He's saying, you were supposed to be committed to someone else, and I am fighting on behalf of that someone else. This is not a jealousy that's fighting for it to stay around, or it's love, or the love that that person has for itself. It's a jealousy that's fighting for another. It's really interesting. Normal jealousy fights for the self to remain center. Godly jealousy fights for what's best for another to be at the center of their life. For what's best for them to be at the center of their life. The rest of tonight, we're going to go on a fun little journey where we're going to see why God wants to associate himself as a jealous God with the Ten Commandments and why he believes this is what's best for our lives. I think it'll be good. So, as we look at the Ten Commandments, and him talking about jealousy, there's two things that he's trying to make clear. Two ideas. Number one, priority. And number two, agape love. Agape is a Greek term. It means unselfish love. Love that fights what's for what's best for another person. So when you say agape love, that means what is best for this other person. That's what I'm fighting for. Not that they would love me, not that they would see me, not that they would appreciate me, but that what's best for them would be what's most important. So look at the Ten Commandments. In ancient times, people had multiple gods, and no one, no one had one god back then everyone had multiple gods and everyone you were always trying to please multiple gods you had one god and this god and that god and you dealt more with some gods than others but for the most part everyone had multiple gods and everyone was trying to please all those gods at the same time i had a girlfriend in uh, high school she um she was great she was really fun she was she was awesome you know she was really pretty i just really liked her but she thought that she she just really didn't feel like my love was enough. And so she added another guy to the mix and another guy. And it was really crazy when all of us found out at the same time. I was like, whoa, this is like, that was, that was a hot mess. But she was dating three of us three of us at the same time. <laughs> you think about her commitment. <laughs> you think about her commitment to me. She couldn't be committed to me because she had to share me with another guy. She had to play a balancing act. She had to compromise a little bit with each one of us in order to satisfy. But she had to try to make sure that she satisfied all of us so that she compromised in the right way. You see this in politics. You see politicians, you know, they go and they got to please this group and they got this group and these lobbyists and all these different people. And so they have to please, they got to compromise in so many different ways to kind of keep all the balls in the air at the same time. Well, God comes in and he's like, look, it's a new day. No, 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 no. I don't want you to treat me as you've treated other gods before. I want exclusive love. I want to be at the center. I want to be at the center of your entire life. I want a relationship with you. I want, I don't want you to see this as, hey, this is this God who has these rules, and I need to make sure that I live up to each and every one of his rules. He is saying, no, I want you to see me as if we were in a marriage. And you have to be committed to me just as you would someone in a marriage. That's what I want. I genuinely want a relationship with you. And I want priority. I want to be the center. This is not popular. It is not, especially in this day, amongst our generation. This isn't fun. Nobody wants this. Christian Smith, sociologist, he tried to summarize the way that most young adults, people our age, see the world. Specifically see religion. And he called it, he summarized it as moralistic therapeutic deism. That, that probably means nothing to anyone here. When I read it, I didn't, it didn't mean anything to me. But to break it down, deism, there is a God, but he is not intimately connected in my daily life moralistic therapeutic. I do my part. I live a pretty good life, and then it's his job to meet my needs. This attribute of God blows away that entire paradigm. You can't see the world like this and then read that he's a jealous God. He is coming in and saying, no, that's not okay. Now, this if I went up to most people and asked them, hey, do you believe in moralistic therapeutic deism? No one, would, no one would know what I was talking about. But if I broke it down for people, you know, probably about 10% of the people that I've talked to on campus in the few years that I've been doing what I'm doing would say that they believe this. But if you looked at the way that we lived, Christians and non-Christians, that percentage would be much higher. We may not say that we believe this, But a lot of people live like this. Hey, I'm doing me. I know, I believe God's out there. If I'm not, if I'm, if I'm pretty good, he's not going to say anything to me. He'll deal with the bad people. If I take care of my stuff, if, look, I don't need to focus on, I don't need to focus on doing all that extra stuff. If I'm good enough, he won't worry about me. And we'll have a mutual understanding to keep our distance from one another. And when things get really bad, then I'll cry out to him. I'll say a prayer. This is not okay. It's a pretty vague way to see God. And C.S. Lewis brings it up specifically because he says what most of us want is not a father in heaven. We want a grandfather in heaven. All of you all know exactly what he's talking about when he says that. A grandfather in heaven? Who went to their grandparents' house? Almost all the hands in the room would go up if everyone actually participated. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't raise my hand, so I don't, I'm not hating. But when you went to your grandparents' house, you knew you could do whatever you want. Sweet. I'm going to bed whenever I want. I'm watching as much TV as I want. I'm eating whatever I want. Hey, can I have $10 to, do, to go here? Sure. Here you go. Walk away. Hey, I'll come back in a few hours. I did whatever I want when I was at my grandparents' house. That's, I'm stretching it a little bit, but I got away with a whole lot more than I would have with my parents. With my parents, it was like watching me and Katie with Zoe. Sit down. D- take that out of your mouth. No, do not. No. Don't. The other day, the girl picked up a glass vase. It was like this big. And she held it over her head. And we're like, Zoe? <laughs> Stop. And she was like, okay, mm. and she threw it, and it like broke and shattered everywhere. It, it was so bad that it actually, not, not even Katie walking on it, just the initial throw, some glass f- flew up and cut Katie's foot. Zoe is like standing there, shards going everywhere, and she's, I'm cool. This is all right. It was, it was terrible, you know. But that's what we want. That is what so many people want. They want grandparents in heaven. They don't want somebody who's always there, always watching, always looking over us, always always checking in on us. God's love is intense. It's personal. He's, you know, honestly, a lot of people, I wouldn't even say necessarily that it's like a grandparent in heaven as much as like just some being up there who says, hey, you just go and do you, and whatever makes you happy, go get him. That's the way a lot of people see it. Hey, I'm, and I'm, I've been there. I have been there. When you read the Bible, three-quarters of the Bible talks about, when it talks about God getting angry about something, it specifically has to do with idolatry. He does not like idolatry. He even talks about it here. Like, he's always talking about it. He doesn't want us to have idols. Now, let me ask you all a question. Is an idol a good thing or a bad thing? Both. An idol is not necessarily a bad thing. An idol is anything. Anything is an idol. This chair over here could be an idol. If I make my whole life about this chair and about sitting in this chair, and <laughs> first of all, I'm a stink. Second of all, the professor's probably not going to like it. And it's just going to be weird, but there's a, hey, all of us are weird in some way. But you can make an idol out of anything. But you can really make an idol out of anything anything that becomes the most important to you, the most important thing to you in your entire life, that is an idol. And God is saying, Hey, I don't want He He says it specifically here in verse four. He says, He says, You can make an idol out of anything, anything in heaven above or the earth beneath. What he's saying is basically anything that's in the deepest space, and then anything in the core of the earth, anything in between here and there can be an idol. That's that qualifies as everything. Everything. And he says, Don't make an idol out of any of these, any of these things, because he wants exclusivity, priority. He's saying, I want to be alone as the center of your life. And some people are like, man, this is just this is just too much. You know, I don't I don't I don't, I don't know if I can it just it's just too much. Just make my whole life about God and a relationship with him. But hey, we already do it. That's why he doesn't say, if you make an idol. Or he doesn't say when you, you know, like he doesn't say, Hey, don't believe in me, don't, you know. Don't make idols. or don't, like. He doesn't try to convince us not to make idols because he knows that all of us have something that is most important in our life. I, um, some of y'all, I, was, I, was, I didn't know if I wanted to use this example, but I was going to go ahead and use it because, you know, it's relevant for all y'all. It's super relevant. And so to help y'all out, I'm going to use an example that has to do with something in your distant future. Some more distant than others. Marriage. I've been married for seven years now. Seven. It's been f- seven fun years. Sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it's hard. I'm still learning things about Katie. But if I could do it all over again, I'd do the exact. Well, I wouldn't do the exact same thing. I, I would probably change some things about myself. You know, it's just, man, I'm not. I'm not the easiest person to live with. You know, but who is the easiest person to live with? Probably no one. Sorry, I was. A, never mind. But you think about marriage. Marriage counselors, any marriage counselor will tell you this: what destroys most marriages? Bad things. Uh, You're know, drinking too much, pornography, some mistress. Yeah, those destroy some marriages. But i will tell you that most marriages get destroyed because of good things. They become ultimate things. They become everything to one of the spouses. Ah, he he doesn't know how to relate with women. All he does is spend time hunting and fishing with his buddies because he's afraid of dealing with stuff. Or ah, she loves the kids. She's there for the kids. She puts up with me. But her kids, that's that's who she's really married to. Or it's another one. Their parents. Gosh, that's that's who they're really married to. That's who they're really committed to. Their parents. They, they don't she, she doesn't care about me, or he doesn't care about me. Or you, all of these are not, none of these are bad things. A kid's bad? I can tell you no. Zoe may be bad sometimes, but she isn't bad. She isn't inherently bad. Most things aren't bad. Netflix isn't bad, but man, if, <laughs> <laughs> if you spent the whole day in your underwear... And you miss classes two straight days because you just couldn't get off this show. Uh, and if that is the routine of your life, that sounds like that's something that's a thing that has become everything to you. And, hey, this applies to all of us. I'm like every – every man, even as I follow God, every now and then I'm having to check, hold on, what is becoming everything to me? Because sometimes it's, it's not him. And so every, every few months, I'm always like going through like, hey, what is the priority of my life? Is it him? Is he the sinner? Or is it something else? And so he's communicating here. When you think of the Ten Commandments, you need to think of it through this lens that I want priority. This is so cool. This is so cool, this idea of God identifying himself as being a jealous God with the Ten Commandments. That means that every law, because all the laws that we read in the Bible, all, all the things that it says do and don't do, they're, for, they're after this. So he's trying to establish, when you think of every law and everything about whether you should do this or you shouldn't do this, you should think of it through this lens, that I am a jealous God. That's how he wants you to identify everything. He doesn't want you to look at laws as like, okay, these are the things I have to do, and if I do them, I'll make them happy. He's trying to say, no, when you think of anything that I ask you to do, I want you to think of me as wanting priority in your life because I want a relationship with you. And number two, because I want what's best for you. And I want what's best for you more than you could ever imagine. And this is is wild. It really is. Francis Schaeffer says this, and it is so true. He said, if Christianity were just a philosophy, it would be the greatest philosophy for how to live your life. But thank God it's not just a philosophy. If it was just this is how you should live your life in this world, it would be the best way for any human being to get along in this world. There's no better way for you to live your life I don't believe it was just a philosophy. Francis Schaeffer didn't believe it was just a philosophy. But if it was just a philosophy, there's nothing better. That is not to communicate to you, oh, well, whether, we're, whether it's true or not, it's great to follow. He's communicating. There's no better way for you to exist here than following God, loving him, and l- letting him lead you. It's like, it's like Free Willy, you know? <laughs> it is. Look. Willie was not meant to be in the aquarium. Watch Blackfish on Netflix. I just ripped Netflix, but I do like Netflix. Watch Blackfish on Netflix. Charles got me on to. I don't know where Charles is. He watched it again. He's, he's, I was like, time number 20? No, you probably watch it once a year. It's It's a good annual show. I would, I would put It's crazy, man. He's a killer. These whales go crazy. They're not meant to be where we keep them, they get aggressive, they get violent. They, their fins go down and they get all depressed. And then their life expectancy goes down by like, is it like a third or a fourth? It's, they're not meant to live in aquariums. And we aren't meant to live outside of his law and outside of relationship with him. This is the best way for us to live in this world. And he knows this. So that's why he's saying, I'm a jealous God. I want, I want, you. I want you. I want to be the center of your life. But not only do I want to be the sinner, I also know that I'm what's best for you. Why is he what's best for us? Because, you know, you read these laws. These aren't, these aren't arbitrary, random laws. God's laws are a description of reality. God's laws are a description of what is real. They're not suggestions. They're not cool ideas. They're not motivations. They are not, hey, if you do this, then things will go well for you. It is, it is just talking about the way that things are. You know, in Ezekiel 18, it says, the soul that sins, it shall die. That may sound depressing. That may sound, like, discouraging. But that is, that is as real as if, if you were to tell someone, look, if you go to the top of the engineering building and you jump off, if you don't have a hang glider or a parachute or a bat suit or Spider-Man's little webs or something, you will, acceler- you will accelerate and you will hit the ground and you will become toothpaste that sounds grim but that is that is just reality it's not like god's coming in saying look if you do this i'm gonna get mad and i'm gonna hurt you he's saying look if if you make idols the center of your life it'll be devastating for you it will be so far from for, from what's best for you this isn't They just. I think the simplest way you could say, if you were to talk about the Ten Commandments, the simplest way to talk about them is, they're just guidelines for a relationship. That's it. They're not really complex. They're not like over the top. It's like, look, if we're gonna be friends, you know, you, you can't come over. You can't. You can't come over and steal my stuff. That's that's an agreement we have to have. Fair enough. Or if if we're going to be friends, you can't come over and lie to me every time I ask you any question about anything. Or if we're going to be friends, you can't only want to talk about really silly things that you have made everything in your life. That can't be all our conversations. Or, hey, if we're going to be friends, you can't sleep with my wife. (laughs) That's just just how we do it in my house. Or, you know, like, if we're going to be friends... You can't be sitting on my couch thinking the whole time, man, I wish I was sleeping with his wife and I wish I was him. Or you can't be thinking, man, I wish I was Jordan so that I could have this that he has. Or so that I I wish, you know, I wish that I was Nate so that I could have this that he has. I wish I could have his apartment. I wish I could have John as a roommate. Because everybody wants John as a roommate. (laughs) That's debatable. I've been waiting for that. It's, it's It's been gone for too long. But, uh, but these are just guidelines for friendship. If we're gonna be friends, you can't do this stuff. I'm not trying to come down here you, I'm not trying to be mad at you, I'm not trying to do anything. This is like this is this is common sense. Look, we can't steal each other's stuff all the time, let alone any time. That's it. The reason that God feels this way is because God. His love is insistently, insistently committed to our perfection because he wants you to be the most beautiful and the most breathtaking thing that you could possibly be. And outside of his law, he knows that that is not possible. He didn't create the law. He didn't create us so that we could live up to his laws. He made these laws so that we could be like him. These laws were made for us so that a relationship could be had between both of us. This is this is some cool stuff. He knows that you will only be happy if you are holy. That's it. He could, I mean, he could give us whatever we wanted, but he knows how bad that would be. What if, what if he showed up tomorrow and he was like, look, I'm on your front doorstep, you know, here, I'm gonna give you whatever you want whatever you think you need. That would seem pretty cool. But if he showed up on my doorstep and told Zoe that, I'd be terrified. I would. If he showed up and told Zoe, hey, I'm going to give you whatever you want and meet all your needs. Zoe would, be, Zoe, hey, I want to eat Cheerios all day. Okay, there you go. Hey, I want to go play in the street. Okay, there you go. Let me open the door for you. Hey, I want to play with this knife because the girl loves knives. I don't understand why she loves knives so much. Some of y'all have experienced this. It's, it's, it's terrifying. She, like, find, and she finds them too. It's like, man, that knife was hidden. How'd you get that? But she shows up with these knives, and it's, it's, it, it is truly terrifying. Or she's like inching closer to a knife because she knows she's not supposed to have it. She's figured that out. She's, she's smart. But if, if God gave Zoe whatever she wanted, she'd be dead before the day's out. She, she just would, she wouldn't last a day. If Zoe was 13, eh, well, 13 year old's a little less stupid, you know, she, a 13 year old would be dead before the month's out. If she was our age, well, some of us are like, hey, no, nah, I'm, I'm pretty smart. <laughs> look, your 50 year old self will look back at yourself today at the same way that the same way that we look at Zoe and be like why was I willing to do that why did I put myself through that how could I have been so ah the reason that God God has an infinite perspective and he knows the result of every silly stupid ha- harmless but But bad mistake that we make, or not harmless, but a mistake that we didn't realize would be so bad, he knows all of this. He has an infinite perspective, and his infinite perspective knows what is truly best for us and what is not. And he is saying, look, I want what's best for you, and I want priority. You have to listen to me. You have to let me lead you. I'm basically, I'm basically done. But everything I'm saying is based around this one idea: is that he wants real trust from every person in this room. He wants you to trust him more than you trust anything else in this world. We don't even realize the things that we trust. You know, I gave the ridiculous, a ridiculous, ridiculous example of if I hang, hung out in this chair all the time. You know I would hang out in this chair because in my mind, I would genuinely think that that is my greatest chance at fulfilling all of my dreams in this world if I sat down in this chair and never moved. That may sound crazy to you, but think about some of the other things that we put our trust in to meet our needs and satisfy us. Ah. I didn't think I was going to say this, but this came to mind. I didn't even put it in my notes, but I was like, you know what? If it comes to mind, then I'll say it. The other day, I saw something, and I was so I was so bothered that I didn't even know what to say. Taylor was there, and Nate was there. We were handing out pancakes on High Street. Fun little thing we like to do. It's great. People love it. It's really cool to help people out that way, hook people up with some, hook people up with some food. I was really down, and I got to the point. It was like 30 minutes left. I didn't say anything. Did y'all notice that? I, like, went stone cold silent. I was just like, I don't have anything else to say. I'm done. We're yelling out to people, hey, get some pancakes, get some pancakes, get some pancakes. And I'm like, cool, this is fun. Wasn't really tired. It's like 2 in the morning. And I look over, and there's this girl walking with this guy. And she has some kind of shirt that's, like, cut like this. And the only thing that I see is nipples. And I was like, and there was a guy with her. There was a guy with her. That guy obviously didn't care about her. He obviously, she meant nothing to him. Or... She obviously didn't. But that girl, for some reason, believed that that was going to fulfill her, that that was going to lead the night to whatever she thought was going to be her greatest hope. All of us have some kind of idols. All of us. This doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. There's something that you believe, unless it's God, unless you can say, say, which I hope you can, hey, I really do believe God is the center of my life, and I want him to be everything. All of us have something that we think is really going to make us happy. And there is a word in the Bible, and some people don't like this word. I like this word a lot. And Jesus, when Jesus started his ministry, and when John the Baptist started his ministry, they both said the same thing, and they began with the same word repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repentance the gospel causes calls the gospels call repentance from sin a decisive change of what is the center over all aspects of your life all of us need to repent all of us all of us need to say to god hey I I I confess, I'm trusting some things that they're not you. And I really do think that these things are going to make me happy. Maybe it's my grades. If I think I have all my grades in, in order, then I'll really be happy. I'll get the job that I want. I'll be able to get out of the life that I don't want to live because I saw what my parents did or what my brothers did or I don't ever want to go back home. Or Maybe it's some girl. I just think if I get with this girl, then everything is going to co- kind of going to come together for me, or if I get with this guy, then, then things are just going to fall in line, or if I just fall in love with a guy with money, or, or if, I just, if I just have all the free time in the world, or if I just am able to, like, whatever it is, most of these things aren't even bad things. They're just things that we've made everything, and he wants us to say to him, I trust, I trust you, God, to really make me happy. And I trust that what you say about the world is what's best for me, and I want to let you lead me. Nothing over spiritual. Nothing. The band can go ahead and come for it. I'm done. Lord God, my heart is heavy a little bit as I think about as I think about that girl, and I think about like. Just some of the things that I've trusted in, Lord, and they failed me. It's only you in the end, Lord. It's only you. Help all of us to see this. Lord, nothing super spiritual, Lord. We just need to trust you. Help us, Lord God, to trust you. And if we don't want to trust you, Help us to be honest with you and to tell you that i don't i don't I don't want to trust you, I don't know why I think this other stuff is going to make me happy. I pray, Lord, that everyone would be honest with themselves, and that we would ask you, Lord God, to show us why you are trustworthy. Reveal that to us tonight over these next few days, over this next week, over this semester. You are so worth it, Lord God. You are so worth it. Pray this in Jesus' name. I would be, I'd be wrong to not finish this by saying this. The best thing that I ever did for myself was to trust God. Everything kind of started coming together in life. And I have had a joy. And I have had peace. And I've had real fun that did not lead to a life or a week or a month of regrets. I have, man, it is my prayer for all of you that you would give God a chance and that you would repent and say, I want to trust you. He is the most beautiful, the most fun, the most amazing being that you, you could ever imagine and he's jealous, and man, I'm so glad that he's jealous. So glad.